See, you're a pup. You're oh nine God. years younger than you're nine years younger than I am. What? Yeah. Henry, I had no idea, man. Yeah, 58, dude. Wow, you look great. So do you, man. I, that's such a horrible compliment. It's like, oh, you're 58. Wow, you look great. Yeah. But you should look miserable. Right. But you know what? I'll take it. No big deal. <laughs> uh, how how are you, man? Are you in uh, Are you in Tennessee? I am in Tennessee, yes. Uh, been here doing nothing since uh, my last show, real show was February 29. That was your last show? Pretty much. I mean, I've done a handful, a couple of virtuals. We tried a few other, you know, real shows and uh, third capacity, that kind of stuff. I was in Birmingham last weekend. We actually did okay, but, you know. It's just what was it? We're, we're, we're at at the, uh, this, what's it called? Stardome. The Stardome or? Yeah. Yeah. St Stardome. Yeah. Oh, not a, wow. Yeah. So we did a third, you know, the Stardome's different than, uh, like a normal theater. Cause they actually have tables. So yeah. you can space those out. Mm -hmm. The, the theaters is where I've been getting slammed. Cause you know, I, that's what I normally do. Mm -hmm. And you know, if uh, one couple buys two tickets, I got to go six feet around them. I lose, you know, 20 seats. It's crazy. Oh, that sucks, man. That really sucks, man. And uh, I feel bad that this is what it's come to, that we have to wait. You know, we got to wait for whatever it is that they're trying to uh, do. But I'm so confused by this whole process because it's like, and I say this every week and everyone seems to get mad at me when I say it, but I, I don't understand how Target has a thousand people touching everything barehanded and that's okay. But yeah, for some reason we can't open a theater and do a show. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and they... Uh here in Nashville, they shut Zany's. Zany's has been doing shows, uh, 25 people capacity, because that's what the mayor laid down the law. And then we found 25. out that uh, that's that's not the case. So, unbelievable, man! Yeah. You guys, uh, I just want you to know, Brian. You already know who we're talking to, Andre. This man right here is one of my inspirations. This is the guy <laughs> I used to watch. On A&E, evening at the Improv, eating Domino's pizza, eating it all by myself in the living room, just getting inspired, going, yo, there's an Asian doing this comedy thing, and his accent is thicker than any cowboy I've ever heard. That's right. I tell you. And I, I loved it. Oh, and you had that, you had that Brian Regan mullet. Oh, oh I, hey, I hey, I had the There was no hair products. That was pure mullet. I just went. That was pure mullet. Pure mullet. <laughs> Henry, can I ask you a question? What what ethnicity are you? Korean. Yeah, I knew you were. I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume. Uh, okay. But yeah. Yeah, Korean. Yeah. You know, my parents uh, immigrated here almost seventy years ago. Uh, Isn't so that I'm, crazy? Uh, yeah. So I'm considered first generation, right? That's I never get beautiful. That, I never get that right. But uh, yeah, it's great. You know, yeah, parents, I, never, I never get that right. I don't I, even know what to say. I don't. Like, I just go. I was born here. How's that? I was born yeah. here. Yeah, I was born here. My parents were, and that. I was. So figure yeah. that one out. So they Probably. came. They came to uh, the states they from came to Korea. 
Yeah, to from... start the family with you, or were you born no, no, in no. the States? No, I was born here. They came uh, 70 years ago. They weren't married. They got married in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, two years later, they had my oldest sister. Then they had another daughter. Then they had me years after that. And they didn't speak That's... a lick of English when they came. So yeah. they, would, they would have to record a lecture and listen to it eight, ten times to get one lecture. Wow. And then one generation wow. later, I'm cutting class. Is that crazy or what, man? Yeah. That, and it's funny because I grew up with nothing but Koreans. That's why when, when I saw you, it was like, it was just, it was amazing. Like, I, it's hard for me to explain now because now you have the internet and people are all connect, connected. You know what right. I mean? The, the, right. the World Wide Web has connected everyone. We have Korean friends now. You right. know what I mean? But right. back, back in the day in 1983, and I'm going to a school with Korean friends with immigrant parents that don't speak English, but they own Korean restaurants. Right. You know what I mean? And, right. they're going to, and they're going to school. And now we're watching white TV, basically. I hate to say it like that. But back then, it was very white or black. You know what I mean? You had three channels. Right. It was hard to find just an Asian. Exactly. So when, when, so when I saw Henry Cho get up on A&E Evening at the Improv with an accent right. and, cr and crushing... You don't know, you don't even understand how much of an inspiration that was for me. For being a half white, half Asian kid that, that was struggling to find an identity, struggling to find something to inspire me to, to become a comedian. And you were that guy, man. I said that to you in person, though, when I met you at, I think at JFL, I think I said that to you, but I uh, want yeah, to say it. Just for laughs on the street. And you know what? Yes. You gave me props. And yes. uh, that's the cool thing about the other Asian comedians the, uh, you know, I, I, like Ken Jeong said, man, I, I would never even tried stand up if I, if you weren't doing it. Cause yeah. I never would have thought that we, we were allowed to do that. And I said, well, yeah, you know, I was supposed to be a doctor or play the cello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, or a doctor playing the cello. Right. Those were my two choices. Better. Those were my two yeah. choices. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I started doing stand-up in my, uh, you know, it freaked my parents out, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, they immigrated, they worked hard, and uh, I was supposed to be a doctor, and I dropped out of college to do stand-up. Yeah. And they're like, my dad, he couldn't, he couldn't grasp it, couldn't understand it. Mm -mm. And I said, that's great. So, so, Henry, you went to college, yes. out of high school. I went to, and what college did you go to? I went to the University of Tennessee. That's the orange. Uh, Heck yeah, man. You know, I was Love born, right. Peyton, Peyton Manning country, That's baby. right. I was born and raised in Knoxville, so that's where I went to school. And then uh, I was in my sixth year because uh, I had a bunch of majors because I enjoyed yeah. college. And uh, one, more, one more question before you continue. Yeah. What, what year are you in college right now? So people put this in perspective. 1986 was my last year in college. So that means you did six years. You started in 1980. Right. I graduated. So if everyone could just imagine, it's just after the 70s. Yes. And, and you are this young Korean man with a fucking thick cowboy accent. Right. Tennessee accent. Right. Parents don't speak a lick of English, maybe broken. Right. Very success, successful business people. No internet. None. No internet. None. Three channels. Cable just started. Just, just started. Just started. Cable just started. HBO is a premium channel. What you do for Netflix now, that's what HBO was back then. Right. And it was like you had to be special to have HBO. Yeah. 
Uh, and 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 if you had an HBO special, that was even more special because it wasn't that many that they gave. No. So so see, like, what inspired you, man? Uh, what made you want to be a comedian? Like, I can only think of two: Pat Morita, and I don't even know if he inspired you. No. directly because I know he did stand up but I don't think people really saw that he was doing it. No, never saw him do that. You know, here's the crazy thing. Who else? Who else? Who else made you in love the the stand up game? Joe, I mean, here's the thing. I watched Johnny Carson growing up, so I saw yeah. all the guys go on there. Uh I always thought that was something really cool and it was yep. Steve, Steve Martin and Billy Crystal uh because my buddies go, what are you, why are you trying to, trying to do stand-up? I said, well, I think I can do stand-up to get into acting. Look what Billy Crystal did. Look what yeah. Steve Martin's done. And they're like, but you're not funny. I go, I know, but I really think <laughs> I can do this. And they said, well, yeah, I mean, you always kind of figure stuff out. So I joined a competition uh, at the Funny Bone in Knoxville, 1986. And I was number 13. I called down there. They said, we're only doing 12. You're the first alternate. I said, all right. So on Friday, I get a call, and they said, hey, somebody canceled, so you're in. Be down here Monday at 7 o'clock. I went, all right. So me and my college roommates are driving to the club, and I'd never been in a comedy club and never done anything. And my buddy, What? Yeah. So my buddies are going, you really doing this? I said, yeah. They go, if you're going to do it, tell the story about this. Remember when this happened? Such and such. So I go down there, and I thought it was 12 guys like me, but it wasn't. It was a... Showtime funniest person in Tennessee competition. Oh man. So I watched the first four guys go up, and these are middle acts. And I'm like, oh man. I told my buddies, I go, look, we're here, so I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna try not to embarrass us all, and then I'm gonna never talk about this again. And I went up on stage and I destroyed, I got a standing ovation, and I won that wow. night. So what? I, yeah. Wow. So this is a Monday night. I walk off stage. You, Jerry, you never did an open mic. You never did nothing, anything. Nothing. Did nothing. So you just I went came, up and told a story. I just went up there and, and started won. telling stories, and and people were laughing and all this stuff. Wow. And I went, all right, all right. So then Jerry Kubach, who owned the Funny Bone chain back then, there were twelve. Yeah. He was there because it's a big Showtime deal, and yeah. uh, he goes. Uh, Hey, how long have you been doing comedy? And I said, well, that's it. He goes, no way. I said, I said, My buddies are like, square, man. He's never been on stage before. <laughs> and Jerry goes, fuck? yeah. And Jerry goes, I need an MC this week. Uh, do you want to do that? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you go up and do 15 <laughs> minutes and introduce the other comedians. I said, oh, I don't have 15 minutes. I, got, I just did five. He goes, well, you do that five, you're going to be fine. <laughs> so I said, all right. So he hired me. I started working on Wednesday. And what? all day in class on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was just writing jokes. So I dropped out of college on Friday, and that was over 34 years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did you, how'd you do that nuts. week? That's my question. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So John Hinton from uh, yeah. Living Single. Yeah, yeah, Living Single. John Hinton was the middle act. So wow. the first well, night. By the way, I want everyone to know John Hinton is a beast, man. I saw him. I saw him headline in, in, in Vegas, so imagine that being your middle act. Yeah. What? He was the middle act. Uh, yeah. Mark Klein, who does a lot of corporates now, he was filthy back then. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the headliner, Road Dog. 
but I didn't, yeah. I didn't know any of these terms, you know. Yeah. So I'm there, and I'll never get that first Wednesday night. John Hinton comes up to me and goes, have you really only been on stage since, like, Monday? And I go, uh, yeah. He goes, <laughs> I got to see this. So I go, dude, I, I know I'm supposed to do 15. I don't have 15. It's going to be more like five. He goes, yeah, they told me. You'd be, okay. So I went up, and I, I, and I had written some more jokes. So I did, like, you know, eight or nine minutes. And I introduced John, and as he came up, he looked at me. He goes, what the? And I go, <laughs> Yeah, he goes, we'll talk after. And he goes, and so he went on stage going, people, you don't understand. That's his second time ever doing this. What? And so John helped me a lot. He told me uh, how to, you know, he goes, you're just telling stories. That it, I go, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, man. I'm just telling stories and I'm making them funny. He goes, but some of those are jokes you've written. I go, yeah, I wrote those this week. So by late show Friday night, I had 15 minutes. And... Then, uh, shortly after that, I worked with Bill Ingvall, wow. who helped me a lot. And then, six months later, Jerry Seinfeld's working in Atlanta, and his opening act got sick. And I've been clean since day one. Yeah. And so I was the only clean comedian they knew in, in the region. This is 1986. There weren't yeah. thousands of comedians. Uh-uh. So, but there are a thousand of comedy clubs, though. Right. So then they asked, <laughs> me, they asked me to go work with Jerry. So I did. And wow. Seinfeld's like, what are you doing next week? And I go, I, I, I got nothing. He goes, well, come with me. I need somebody to come to Charleston, South Carolina with me. All right. So then he goes back to L.A. and tells Shanlene and Leno and uh, Larry Miller and all these guys. So all of a sudden, I'm touring with the five top comedians in the world. Road, road comedians. And so, but I worked everywhere. I mean, you know, I, I started working immediately, but I worked everywhere. I did creative entertainment in Meridian, Mississippi, and Ozark, Alabama, and Chicken Wire gigs. Zach and Mac, the big, uh, big yeah. African-American comedy duo, they took me to yeah. St. Louis with them, and we did the Chitlin Tour, which is a bunch of black clubs. Wow. And that's, that's back with uh, Bernie Mac and everybody. Bernie Mac and the guys. And, and the crazy thing is, the shows don't start till midnight. You yeah. know, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm the only non-African American, and they're throwing me on stage like at you know 2 a.m. So, so I, at, at what point? At what point of this story, Henry, does it become 1987? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a dream come true, though. Like you literally, yeah. you you lived what I thought in my head was going to happen the first <laughs> night I did open mic. Right. I remember being I remember being at a sports store because I was I was the stock guy that stocked all the sporting goods, and I, I remember writing down my set. Because I was doing this thing called Star Mania. And I remember ripping half of the set out of my, my, my notebook because I was like, this is too long. Not knowing that it wasn't enough. I remember I just ripped four seconds out. Like yeah. it wasn't even, it didn't even matter. I think I wrote maybe a minute and a half worth of jokes. Yeah, you ripped four and out of your 80 seconds. Yeah, I really, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and I remember in my head, I was reading it over and over all day, Henry. And in my head, I was envisioning a, like a manager on stage picking up the phone from the curtain while I'm destroying on stage going, you got to see this kid. Let's book him. Call Leno. Call Carson. Call him now. I got the hottest thing right now in Vegas. Let's get this kid. 
didn't fucking happen. No. First thing out of my mouth, it was complete, just nothing but uh, heckling. It was uh, silence. My mouth went to chalk. <laughs> the biggest laugh of my night, uh, Henry, uh, my first night was um, I, I, I did this joke about condoms. Duh. It was dirty, right? <laughs> I did dirty jokes. So I did this thing about condoms that got no laughs at the beginning, right? right. And, then, uh, and then my mouth started getting all sticky. My tongue was sticking to, my, to the roof of my mouth. And then I go, I go, hey, guys, you ever, you ever uh, your mouth gets so dry, your, your, your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth? And the lady sitting at the bar at the end, smoking a cigarette, she's like, put a condom on it. <laughs> crushes yeah she got the biggest crushes one. she got and it was my callback that bitch that was my joke that's hilarious so yeah opposite of you henry you first night you crush it was you crazy move on it, you you quit school now you're on tour with jerry seinfeld uh and 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 now and now at what point do you make the move to la and and start doing the the A and E evening at the improv. Like when yeah. when was that? Like so, the, the thing. So late uh, in 1988. So I've been doing comedy a year and a half. Oh my God, and, that pisses me off so much. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So Bill Ingvall was living in L.A. and he said, "Hey, you got to come out and you know we'll get you some spots maybe." So I did a spot at the Ice House, and I come off stage. And a uh, guy from Robert Guillaume, remember him? He played Benson yeah. on Soap and then yeah. had his own show. So he comes. Yes. So a producer comes up and goes, hey, I'm a producer for Robert Guillaume's show, and we need a warm-up guy. Would you like to do the warm-up? And I'm like, I, what is that? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he goes, well, you just do jokes before the show, and you know, when we're changing sets, you talk to the crowd and keep them engaged. And I go, well, when is this? He goes, well, you know, you could – come out on Monday and walk through it. And I go, uh, you know, my plane's leaving Sunday. Uh, I won't be here. And he goes, oh, you don't live here? And I said, no. And so Ingvall's standing there the whole time. And Bill's like going, I live here. I live here. I'm here. I I'm in town. And so the guy goes, well, we'll be in touch. Let me know when you come back in town. Right. You know, here's my card, all that stuff. He walks off and Ingvall goes, you got to move here. Yeah. So I moved, uh, I did 90 colleges in 1988. 90. Wow. And this is, by the way, this is 90 high paying colleges, correct? Correct. They were paying big in the 80s and early 90s. Yes. So I did, yes. I did a NACA conference. Woo! And you booked it, baby. <laughs> and I booked 110 colleges. What? Yes, yeah. bro. So I did. That's, how many? Say it again. 100 and what? 110. So I book. I did not. That's crazy. I did ninety in nineteen eighty-eight because my plan was I was going to bank that money and move to LA because I didn't want to. You could have bought. You could have bought a hospital for your parents. I could have, and I could. <laughs> they would have been so happy. I could have made myself a doctor. Yes, honorary. <laughs> so I. So I saved my money. I moved to LA yeah. in January, and then uh, I got lucky. I. Uh, I got at, I got on the improv, and it ended up being a Brillstein showcase. Wow! And but I was going on at the end, so you're really making me sick with. I this know. Story. And then oh, you, did you bomb? When did you bomb, Henry? <laughs> this is too never. I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> Hilarious! I'm still waiting on that. Wow! 
But I, I, heard, Bars. I, I heard it's awful. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Put a condom on it. So the crazy thing is, uh, so I go to the improv first time, and, you know, Dennis Miller's on the board. All these big names are on the board. And David Spade, who just signed with Brillstein, he was on the showcase too. And I've known Spade for years. So he and I are hanging out. And he goes, hey, man, you just finally, you finally move here? And I go, yeah. And so he goes, are you with Brillstein? I said, no, I'm with uh, Rick Rogers, me and Ingball and Rosie O'Donnell. And uh, so I go on the showcase, and it was crazy. So this was like on a Friday night or something. So by Mon- the very next week, I had meetings at every network and every studio. And I just really didn't know what I was doing. I'd go, you know, I'd go into Viacom, Universal, NBC, ABC, CBS. And they're all like going, you know, we got to do something with you. We got to do something with you. And I said, that's fine. I said, but, you know, I really I've never acted before, so I don't know what we're talking about here. And they were saying, well, you know, maybe we could do this. And I finally just said, look, you're trying to make me a fish out of water. You have to understand, I don't have any water because I don't I don't go 100 percent with Asian people because I was born here and I'm from Tennessee and I don't go 100 percent with white people because I'm Asian. So you're trying to create a fish out of water. I'm already a fish out of water everywhere I go. And so, hey, Henry, can I interrupt you? Yeah, man. That would have been the show right there, man. That was it. So that's amazing. You know, I've had. Hey, man, the only two Asian people I know are my parents. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And we tried that. So, you know, I've had five deals. And yeah, of course you did, because you wouldn't have anything less. Well, I needed seven. But anyway. (laughs) But so speaking of Pat Morita, I had a show as me and Pat Morita. This was uh, 1990, maybe 91. Uh-huh. And Pat was not speaking broken English. I, I was adamant. No one on the show was going to speak broken English. And yeah, then, man. but they, ABC was just adamant. Somebody's got to be. What year, what, what year was this? 1991. 1991. 91. So, right. and, and Margaret, I brought Margaret in. She didn't even come in, but I had her stuff. I brought her in as a possibility to be my little sister, no. my younger sister. So, because yeah. she's the only Asian comedian, I even woman that I knew. Yeah. At the it time, it was just you and her, by the way. Yeah. It, and at the time, I thought you guys were related. Thank you very little. Yeah, you know, she when she started out, she used to tell people she was my sister. And, yeah. And I told her, I go, you know what? If it was flipped around, I would, I would have done the same thing. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I would have used you, no problem. Yeah. But uh, so, ABC really wanted Pat to speak broken English. Uh, and so I walked away from the deal. And then that- Oh, actually, you did? Wow. Yeah, I walked away. Yes! So, yeah, so that actually became the show Margaret did about a year and a half later. No American way! Girl? All American- Yeah. All American Boy was gonna be actually, became All American Girl? Yes. Wow. Wow. And they had B.D. Wong and those guys, and there was broken English. The parents spoke broken English, and it, and yeah. it crushed me. Because I could, uh, but I'll tell you something. You, you remember Key Luke? Uh-uh. Key Luke, famous Asian actor. He was the blind guy on Kung Fu. Mm. Oh, okay. We did a big tribute, probably early, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, 
he came up to me. It was right before he passed away. He came up to me, and I mean, he was an old guy, but he grabbed my arm, and he was serious as a heart attack. And he said, you can't give in to the Hollywood. You can't give in to these people. And I go, what do you mean? You know, I'm, I don't even want what you're talking about. He goes, you can say no to all the crap they're going to throw at you because you're a comedian. You don't have yeah. to wait tables. You don't have to, you know, do odd jobs. You're a comedian. Yeah. You have to say no. And I'm like, what? Okay. And then Pat Morita told me, he goes, Henry, they're going to offer you all this stuff. You got to turn it down. You have to turn wow. it down. So when I turned down that first TV deal, you know, Pat and I were out in the parking lot and Pat was still attached. And he called me the very next day and said, they've changed this whole show. And now three of us are going to be speaking broken English. Three of us. Wow. And I went, walk away. He goes, I got I, to I walk away. So that became my reputation in Hollywood early that I wasn't going to do that stuff. And so we pretty much every deal I had, uh, there was no broken English, nothing derogatory toward Asians. If, yeah. if, the, if anyone was going to say anything with an Asian accent, it was going to be me mimicking my dad. Hey, and even man. I wasn't going to do that. But my yeah. dad and my dad's character was going to pop in. And, and he doesn't speak broken English. He just has an Asian accent. Yeah, he's fluent. Right. He just has an accent. And I kept yeah. trying to tell these people, I go, it's like he w if he was from France yeah. and he spoke French with a with an accent. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, but he can't say that sentence clearly. He has to break it up. I go, no, he's fluent. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't understand it. So, wow. yeah, I, I think they pretend that they don't understand because it's quite frustrating. <laughs> yes. It's, it really is, man. I do the, I do, I, I do my mom on stage and it's almost like, oh yeah, you know, it's very, uh, you know, for Filipinos it, it, for, for years, I, I would get that right. until the special dropped. And then they were all like, oh no, it's just a mom with an accent. Right. It's the same fucking mom. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's what I've been saying, assholes. Yeah. They don't get it. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. I think they know, but they just. I think they love to pretend they don't know. Right. I right. honestly do. I honestly think it's psych psychological. Uh, I, there's no way you can actually hear that. I, I always compared it to like when I do my mom, right? I, I, I become my mom. I become my mom's character, right? Because right? Right. I, I don't want to shove Filipino specific. You know, I don't want to be specific for only Filipinos to understand. Right. I'm just going to be I'm going to be my mom. Right. And everyone's going to get it. There's no difference from me becoming my mom or when Eddie Murphy does Uncle Gus. Right. No difference. There's no difference. No. Uncle Gus is speaking English. He's just got a little twang to it. Right. My mom's speaking English. She's just got a little twang to it. There's no difference. Right. They're both characters. So why is it that Hollywood understands Uncle Gus but doesn't understand Auntie Josie? So I stuck to my guns too, man. You have to. I just kept doing it. And when Netflix said no, I don't think middle America will get it. I shot it myself, and then they were like, oh, okay, yeah, they get it. Yeah, get it. <laughs> yeah, we messed up. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no disrespect to Netflix. I love you guys. They're the best. <laughs> They're the best. You were smart to not do Joe's uh, show. That's uh, <laughs> Netflix. No, people, I think I people think, there are genius. I think, what it, I think what it is, Henry, is, you know, unfortunately, we just got to say it, like, it, the time just wasn't right. You were ahead of your time. Way ahead. You know what I mean? 
You're way, was, way, way ahead, bro. You're you're forty. You're thirty-four years ahead. Oh, trust you know me. I, mean? I, I tell, I tell my kids that I said, do you understand? If I started five years ago, oh. the way I started, yeah, with the way things are, I go, you guys would be sick of seeing me because I'd be on yeah. everything. Yeah, one hundred percent. But it, it's dope to be in that in that position where it's so early, and um, for you to have that type of conviction. When there's nobody ahead of you, I, well, I, yeah, I, I, that's commendable, man. I, I, I really respect that. Thank Can you. Can I say something from Thank the outside, you. Henry, on yeah. that? Yeah. I think your attitude was a combina- combination of two things. Koreans don't don't fucking play. No. All right. That no. the the I, all I grew up with nothing but Koreans. Right. I can name all of my friends. They are all Koreans. That's I had more Korean friends than I did Filipino friends. And then two. I think you had a little bit of that South in you, bro. You had some Tennessee in you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's, a, that's a wicked combination, man. Yeah, so. yeah you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, and also, like, you know, I got into this so fast. Um, yeah. And it was all a blur. And, and, and they, they, they didn't know what to do with me. The, uh, you know, Shana Landsberg was at NBC Development. And uh-huh. I had a... I had a meeting with Brandon Tartikoff, who was Jesus. who was so great. Yeah. And so the mm-hmm. week before my meeting with Brandon Tartikoff, uh, I get a call from Linda Bloodworth Thomason to come do an episode of Designing Women. So I've wow. been in ta- I've been in town six months. <laughs> so crazy, man. Yeah. So, That's so crazy, dude. So, yeah. let, so let, now you're on Designing Women, only the biggest TV show it, of the 80s. Right. right. So Linda goes, hey, I saw you on like the Tonight Show or something. I just wrote a role for you. Will you do it? I go, well, I got to tell you, I've never acted in my life. And she goes, I don't care. Just come on. So I show up at the table read on Monday. And, you know, I have to tell everybody and the director, I go, look, I've never done this. So don't pretend I know anything. And Delta Burke and Dixie Carter, they're great, and Annie Potts, and they're just walking me through. And so we're doing rehearsals and have my mark on the stage, and came time to shoot. And uh, the first scene, I'm sitting down, so it didn't matter. My second scene, I'm supposed to walk in, and Delta and Dixie are standing there. No one told me they're going to remove my mark for the cameras. No one told me. So yeah. I walk out, and my first line is, where's my mark? And they go, cut! <laughs> and Delta goes, oh my goodness, we'll help you, Henry. Okay, so just, let's just be natural. We'll stand here, and you walk up, and the normal space. You don't have to do TV space. Just stand like you would if we were really, you know, having a real conversation. I said, all right. Yeah. And as I started walk off, she goes, you really didn't know the marks are gone now? I go, I had no idea. No one told me. <laughs> So I finished that show. We shot it, and Delta Burke was awesome. She's like, uh, "Yeah, she was." She goes, "You know what?" She goes, "Henry, why don't you just show up next week? Why, matter of fact, I'll come pick you up, and the, and she'll have to write you in." <laughs> and I go, "Well, I can't." I go, I have, "I have a meeting with Brandon Tartikoff on Monday," and she's like, "You're going to get your own show, right?" And I said, "I don't know. Maybe I don't know." And so I go in, and I'll never get Shana Lansberg. She goes, so I told Brandon that you're coming in. And she goes, Henry Cho, he goes, is that like an Asian name? She goes, yeah, well, he's Korean. And he, and he said, you're bringing in a Korean guy to be the lead of a TV show? And Shana goes, get that out of your brain. I want you to think 
cowboy. Wait till he walks in this room. So I walked in the room, and all I heard was Brandon Tartagoff go, oh, my God. <laughs> and he goes, are you for real? And I'm like, I, I don't know, even know what you're talking about, man. And so Shane and I did a scene together that I'd written, yeah. and Brandon really liked it. And he was so candid and honest with me. He goes, I, I don't know what to do with this. I really don't. He goes, I get it. I don't know who's going to get it, but I really don't know what to do with this. And so that, I ran into that all the time. No one knew yeah, what to man. do with – they didn't know because they couldn't – there was no way they were going to let an Asian guy lead a show in 1991, 1990. Yeah, mm. Wasn't going to happen. My last deal was CBS 07 to 09, and then the writer strike happened. Mm. So we didn't do that. Craig Ferguson was my executive producer. I mean, we were set. Yeah. Golden. Writer strike happens. They extended a year. And then I told Hollywood, I go, look, I lost my window. My kids are too old now. I can't yeah. live here. So I'm gone for a decade. And they're like, yeah. everybody's like, what? <laughs> I go, I'll see you in uh, like 19, 2019, 2020. And they're like, what? <laughs> and so I did. I totally dropped out of the game. There was a time in the early... Uh, 20 teens, 20, maybe 2011. Uh -huh. um, the networks were trying to go to diversify. Yeah. So they went after Keenan Ivan, Keenan Wayans, and uh, Damon. And I saw Damon. He goes, Hey, you, they were asking where you were. So my management contacted, and, you know, the networks were like, What are you doing? And I said, I'm not doing anything. I got, I got like eight more years. Till I can do anything. And they're like, what? And I go, I'm, I'm not. You can offer me whatever you want. I'm not moving my family for 22 weeks to shoot 22. I'm not. And then, as you know, everything's changed. So now, with streaming and Netflix and Amazon and all these things, uh, I got approached last summer to develop another show. And uh, me and my buddy Jim Hope, who wrote for uh, Lopez and Titus, Jim and I have been friends forever. He and I wrote a script, and uh, these people paid, paid us to write it, which was great. Yeah. And then uh, COVID's hit, so we haven't been able to do anything. But all I want to do is 12, and we're going to shoot it in Atlanta. So. Uh-huh. So oh, so you are going to shoot it? The plan, Yeah, we're going to shoot the pilot. Okay. And Who's it with? It's with Triple Horse Studios, uh, who they were the guys that helped produce uh, The Case for Christ. Okay. Uh, which was a big uh, uh, faith movie, one, one of the big blockbusters. It was a, actually nice. a real movie. Nice, man. So, That's what's happening now. So hopefully, you know, we were going to try to shoot it in February. So hopefully yeah. things will pan out and i uh, going to shoot it in Atlanta. And I got, you know, my acting buddies and they're all ready to do anything. And uh, it's, I just want the pilot to look great so then I can present it. I don't, I don't want to go to... I may end up doing this, but I'd rather not go to Netflix or whomever with a script. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go with them with a product and say, "Yeah, that's the way to go is. now, man." Yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah, if, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Show show them what you're talking about. It can only go it can only go up from there. 
Right. Nothing, well, nothing worse than selling it in the room and they're like, okay, I still don't see it. It's like, all right, fuck it, here, I got it on video. Yeah. Watch this. Yeah. Watch this and you, you'll get it. Just like you said, yeah. you know, Netflix didn't get your stand up, what you were talking about, and then you showed it. Yeah. Yes. So, then they got it. Finally. Yeah. And that's what it takes. You know, I mean, sometimes yeah, you have to show them. And I've been at this so long, I just, I told Jim and my other pals involved, I said, uh, no one is happier than Henry Cho. There you go. No one's happy. Yes. There you go. I got. I mean, you. I've been married 22 at, years. I got yeah, three kids that are awesome, great yeah. kids. I got. I got older what, kids, how, and I don't worry about them. I mean, I got a senior in high school going to football games, and I don't worry about where he's going and what he's doing afterwards because he's such a yeah. good kid. Hmm. I got yeah. a. I got a junior in college who I don't worry about because he's such yeah. a good kid. My yeah, daughter. That, this is your son. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> My dad, no, he doesn't chow, care. Cho, 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 And my daughter's a freshman in high school, and she is, she's the bomb. And my wife's awesome. You got, you got four kids. Three, three. Oh, three kids, three. three. Two what boys, are their names again? Two boys and a, what? I'm sorry? Well, that, I want their names. Jackson, Grant, and Tate. Yeah, man. Yeah. Those are southern names. Yes, sir. Sure. Those are southern names right there, damn it. Yeah, my wife's from Alabama. So what else are you gonna Woo! do? Dude, okay, now do the now did the Cho bloodline continue with the accent? Uh yes, but it's more like mine less than my wife's. My my you know, so here's the thing, you know, when you saw me Your wife's is bad, your wife's is bad, yeah, right? Yeah. When you your saw wife's very, when, yeah, yeah, when you ahead. saw me on Even at the Improv, that was my true accent. But in nineteen ninety five, yeah, four and five. I hosted Friday night videos uh-huh. on NBC. Yeah. And the first video I introduced was Aerosmith with Steven uh-huh. Tyler. <laughs> and Gary Say Con- it again? Aerosmith with Steven Tyler. So Gary Considine, executive producer of NBC Late Night, comes out of the booth. He goes, I can't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> he goes, can you, can you try to move your mouth? And I go, all right, I'll try. And uh, I go, all right, coming up next is uh, uh, Aerosmith with Steven Tyler. He's like, no, no, do it again. All right, coming up next, Aerosmith. He goes, it's Aerosmith. I go, Aerosmith. 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 So we go through this several minutes, and finally I started moving my mouth and enunciating. So my, my accent had to evolve into what it is now. And my kids love it because when we go to Alabama to visit their cousins, my kids make fun of them. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. They, That's they're great. like, thank, thank God you don't talk like that, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. My what wife. About, what, what about Jackson? Does Jackson got a little twang on him? Oh, yeah. Jackson, they all got, they all got accents, but they're like mine. They're not thick. Okay. Uh, my wife yeah. is thick. And yeah. so is her, like, her mom. Oh, Yeah. Their whole family. It's real thick. Yeah? Yeah. Are, are, they, are they mixed kids? You got to, what, what? Yeah, my, your, my kids are mixed. Wife. My kids are mixed. My dad, he was cool with that because I was the only Asian kid. So you grew yeah. up around a lot of Koreans and stuff. I was the only Asian kid from pre-K till I was a senior in high school. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Only Asian kid. So oh. I'll never, my senior year, I'm walking down the hall with my girlfriend who was a blonde cheerleader. Uh huh. And of course, of course, 
But yeah. <laughs> and and these two Vietnamese kids had immigrated. Yeah. And I was walking down the hall, and one of them grabbed me and pointed to her and said, "How how, how you do that? Yeah, how you do that? <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that? How you do that?" And I go, uh, "I go, I play center field, man. That's how." <laughs> and he goes, and they go, well, "How you do that?" Right. <laughs> I go, "Yeah, I can't. I, I can't teach you. I can't teach you." I, that was a crazy thing. Here's one for you, Joe. So, my first year in college, freshman year, we're playing intramural football. Yeah. And I didn't play football in high school because I was too small. But I played baseball and I, you know, I played basketball, all that stuff. So I'm our quarterback because I've always played quarterback anytime we pick up games and whatever. Uh-huh. And we're playing this other team, and the guys were asking my my teammates, going, "Is he really the quarterback? Is that guy really going to be the quarterback?" <laughs> and my buddies are like, "Going, what do you mean?" They go, "Well." Isn't he like Japanese or something? They go. Oh yes. They go. No, wow, he's. Wow, that that sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. They go. No, he's Korean. They go. He's Korean. Yeah. And they go. And then what they say? They go. Still, but he's your quarterback. And my buddy goes. Oh, you don't understand. He's always the quarterback. <laughs> Ooh. And so we get in the first huddle, and my buddies go. They can't believe your quarterback because you're you're Korean. I went. Excuse me. I go. Okay. Change of play. I go. Bust it long, bust it long. I'm throwing this thing as far as I can throw it. And I threw like this 50-yard bomb, and we scored a touchdown. Uh, and I was, I was running down the field going, not bad for a Korean. I would have loved it if you pointed at the sideline and went, arigato. <laughs> It was crazy because they were like coming up, man, okay. And I went, yeah. And I, and so one of my buddies went over to him. They go, you don't understand. He runs a 4-4-40, just mm, so you know. Wow. I know that's yeah. ethnically impossible. but <laughs> Ethnically impossible. There you go. There's yeah. your show title. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's George Lopez's line. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's ethnically impossible. <laughs> but 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 they couldn't believe it. They're like, man, you, you're, like, you're, you're like fast. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So when I first moved to LA, the very first audition I go in, it wasn't for an Asian guy. So I walk in and there's 20 white guys and me. Yeah. And this actor who I recognize go, are they going Asian? And I go, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, they're going guy. <laughs> they're just going guy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, bro. So that's. That would have been dope if he was, are they going Asian? You should have looked around like. Why do you say that? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well, that was a crazy thing, you know. I had, I mean, if you cut from the beginning of time of my stand-up career till now, my audiences are still 90, I mean, 70% Caucasian. Yeah. I mean, it just is. And, you know, unless I'm working in San Francisco or Seattle or L.A. Yeah. But, I mean, it's always been that way. And, and mm-hmm. that was always the thing, as you were saying, because I had another young comedian, Asian comedian. He said, I never knew we were able to act like that. Mm. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, just when you were on stage, I'll never get the first time I ever saw you on TV. I went, he's not the sidekick. Yeah. He's not the guy over there in the shadows. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's up out front. And I go, 
See, I never had any of that. I never had any yeah. of this, I'm an Asian guy, so I can't do something, or yeah. I shouldn't do something. Because there were no role models. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just... Nothing, bro. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. You know, my dad That's always what... says, you know, you talk like a hillbilly. And I go, well, you know, you didn't raise me in Boston. You pick, yeah. you pick Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you fucked up, Dad. Yeah. It's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Hey, can I ask you a question? So... Uh, my best friends, they owned a, a restaurant, right? The three boys would live uh, in the house. And the mom and dad would literally be at that restaurant from about 11 o'clock in the morning until about 2.30 at night. Right. Every yeah, day. Because it was a bar. Every day. Every day. Man. Every day. Yep. And, and, and the fruits of their labor was amazing. They, 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 they let the kids get whatever they wanted. Like motorcycles, you know, the new whatever, ColecoVision, whatever it was, p- polo, expensive right. polos. They were just loaded. Parents were never around, though. When they bought food, it was always at Costco. I didn't even know what Costco was. Costco wasn't even mainstream yet. Like, I just knew, like, this was like, you're going to see food, it, it, like, like, like big, giant shipments. Of, like, I remember I walked into their house, and they had a, a box of Frosted Flakes. That was ginormous. Yeah, it had four bags in it. <laughs> right. I was like, what? what is this? Yeah. What, like, are you guys giants? What are you guys? <laughs> and just everything was massive. But the one thing I loved about uh, uh, their, their refrigerator is they always brought home meat from the restaurant, not in a Tupperware, but in metal pots. <laughs> the lid just opened. You just grab fugogi. Oh. You grab fugogi, and then we'd fry the fugogi. In the oh. rest. Then we we live like kings because the parents were never home. But yeah, we're eating steak, bulgogi, galbi, uh, uh, all this food. But I just want to ask you because it's the same time, okay? Okay. It's 19, because it's like 86. Right. You know what I mean? 87. In the refrigerator was always a big pot. They would take out the middle rack uh-huh. because the pot was that big. Oh, yeah. And it was filled with kimchi. Yes. And the kimchi infected the entire refrigerator. So everything in that refrigerator had a hint of kimchi. Right. It even went into the freezer. It goes into the house. Yeah. It goes into the house. So if you grab the fudgesicle and you're licking the fudgesicle and I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, this tastes like frozen kimchi. And my my friend would be like, just keep licking. It's going to turn into fudge. It's going to turn into fudge. You got to get past the layers. Get past it. You got to fight for this fudge. Man. You got to fight for it. That's funny. But but I want to ask you, because, uh, you know, and I bet you a lot of fans want to know this too. Was your house like that? Did your refrigerator, was it the same? Were you eating the kimchi? Was the Where's refrigerator... The- was the refrigerator smelling like kimchi? Like I just want to know. My dad always had a jar of kimchi in the fridge yep. and three in the garage. <laughs> yes! So I used to, once I started getting interested in girls, yeah. I would ask them, I go, hey, do I smell funky to you? And they're like, oh, no. So and I go, true. no, I don't mean body odor. Do I smell like, like peppers or anything? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. no, why? I go, because my dad... Always smells like that. Yes. Because he ate kimchi every day. Every day. And then if you sweat, it comes out in your sweat. Out your pores. Yeah. Comes out That's red. so funny. Yeah, you can stain a sheet red. Yeah, yeah. You can stain a sheet red. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me so happy to hear this, that, yeah. that you, 
Because that I, that's always been like in my head. Like, I wonder if Henry Cho lived like like my friends William and them. Like, because yeah. it was because they were so like they were so Americanized, man. They were so far removed. But food, the kimchi's and, there. And the kimchi was my, there, dude. My dad and had, I loved it. I loved it. I didn't eat it. I didn't eat it until. Oh what? I didn't no. eat it until probably uh, ten years ago. Really. Seriously, wow. yeah. I never ate it growing up because I didn't. I didn't want to smell like my dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's intense, man. My sisters would eat it, and uh, but well, you know, my sisters are older than I am. So when they started dating and would have boys over, I yeah. mean, they spent so much time out on the porch. It was ridiculous because yeah. they couldn't come in the house because it smelled yeah. like kimchi. Now I want I want people to understand when you're listening to this. Why is Joe asking this particular question just because he's Korean? No, it's not, man. It's not. It's, it's the time that we lived in. It's the generation that we lived in. You also have to understand the situation that Henry lived in. Right. He lived in Tennessee, bro. Right. Like right now, you can find a seafood city on every corner. Right. You can buy kimchi every corner. Oh, yeah. His dad is an immigrant from Korea that moved to the States and picked the widest part of the country exactly. to raise his Korean family. And one thing he really loves is kimchi. Right. That's his culture. There's nothing wrong with it. That's a very, that's a very serious question because to him, that's his, that's his identity. Oh, yeah. That's his, that's his life. And I remember... You know, just a fan of my Filipino food. Dude, I remember just like my mom not being able to find a Filipino restaurant. We always had to cook it at home. I used to always ask my mom, like, why are there Korean restaurants? Why are there Chinese restaurants? Why are there Thai restaurants? But we can never go to a Filipino restaurant. She's like, oh, because there are none, Joseph. We have to cook it at home. And it would make me sad. Right. But, that, but, but that's why I say this, because the kids today don't understand. No, they don't understand what we went through. They, no. you know these kids now, these Korean kids. You know they have they have kimchi refrigerators now. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah. Specific kimchi refrigerators that that, mm. that 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 keep the the the, the scent in and and separated and, and like yo, what you can go anywhere and just buy little mini jars of of kimchi. Whereas uh, our uh, my friends, they had a big clay jar. It was with, huge with a lid, and it was huge. Fir it fermented in the garage. Fermented in the garage. Yep. yep. They don't, these kids don't know. And that's the reason why I'm asking that right. question because they don't know. In my you know look, 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 look at Henry. He, he didn't want to eat it because he was like, I don't want to fucking smell like you. I can't smell like my dad. <laughs> hey, growing, growing, up, growing up in Tennessee, was it hard? I mean, did you fight that battle of trying to hold on to your culture while, while trying, you know, to somewhat assimilate here in the, in the country? You know, uh, I never, I, I'm looking back, I credit my buddy's parents because we weren't the Korean family. We weren't any different. We were just the chose. Yeah. You know, my guys I grew up with, they joke all the time. They're going, yeah, yeah, they're, he's from Knoxville. They're, they're, the, they're the Knoxville chose. Yeah. You know? That's dope, man. So yeah. they never treated us any differently. So I, I didn't know I was different. And right. I didn't even know it was weird that I had a, I had a Southern accent until I was in college. Ooh, Me and my wow. buddies went on spring break, and these girls from Michigan thought I was mocking the way my buddies talked. Hilarious. And wow. they're like, and my buddies. And they, had, they had no idea your buddies were mocking the way you talk. Exactly. <laughs> and my buddies are going, what are y'all laughing about? And I go, I go, yeah, what are you talking about? They go, you do that really well. And I go, what do you mean I do it real well? And they go, 
the way you're talking. And my buddy's like, well, he always talks that way. And there's one, yeah. I swear to you, this one girl goes, he can't. That's not possible. Wow. And I went, excuse me? What well, ain't possible? And she goes, for real, that's your for real voice. I go, uh, yeah. See, man? Yeah. You see? 1985. That's crazy. See how we see how we laugh and joke around about it now? Yeah. See yeah. Why, why it was so important for me to see someone like you on TV to inspire me and to understand that that's the struggle that your parents and yourself went through? Yeah. Like, people don't understand that. They, they, they like, don't. Especially today. They, they don't. don't get it. Like, like I, I always try and explain it, but they, they don't know. Like, Dre, me and Dre went to the same high school together. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, Dre uh, married my sister. And, and, and one thing, we had, Dre, growing up in the 80s, Korean friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We had Korean friends that knew how to b-boy, baddest b-boys in the city. Yeah. Right. Breakdancing. Right. Koreans. For sure. Filipinos, uh, you know, Vietnamese. But but when you went on TV, you didn't see it. And, it. and it was hard to get inspired. Like, you know, just like you, like, you don't see it on TV, but yet I'm just a quarterback dating a hot chick in high school. So I don't understand why you don't get it. Right, right. It's such a, it's, it's it, you know, I'm glad where we are today. And I'm so happy that someone like you were the first one to kick, you know, kick those doors down for me. Well, hey, I'm, I'm glad it worked so far. And you've been and you busted through the doors. My daughter showed showed me something. She goes, Joe Coy is doing the forum. And I go, <laughs> Yeah. And she goes, Did you ever do the forum? And I go, No. I go, You don't understand. It wasn't even an option back when I was doing shows. Yeah. Uh, we we didn't do big arenas. It, it wasn't part of the thing. Seinfeld didn't do them. We we mm -hmm. just didn't do them. They it wasn't an option. It wasn't. It, it, it just wasn't part of the thing. We just did clubs, yeah. and we did a few theaters. And if you got a thousand people to come, you'd sit there and go, "Holy crap! I had a thousand people yeah. in this theater." So it's a whole different thing now. And my daughter's like, "Well, you think you'd ever do something like that?" I said, "I don't know. Maybe." I said, "I have to get back out there and grind it and get get it out there to do something that big." I said, "Honey, I'm I'm old. I'm tired. I'm just I'm living life, and no one's happier." Would, would it be cool if when this opens back up, would it be cool if I asked you to just do a nice guest appearance on one of my arena shows and we'll have your daughter there for that? I would do it in a heartbeat. Let's go. I would do it in a heartbeat. Nice. I, will fly, I will fly you and your daughter out, all expense paid. Oh, man. And that's, and that's my way of saying thank you for fucking – Blazing the trail, my guy. Well, that I, I would be. Time. I would be honored to do that. Ah, uh, thank you, man. Yeah, awesome. I do. I do have. Some, and, no, we, and by the way, this is documented, so this is real. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and I, I would love for you, and I would be honored if you if you were to, yo, man, I'm doing Radio City Music Hall coming up, and I would love for you to 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 grace the stage. Man. I would do anything you want to do. That would be Let's great. Let's go. All right. That'd be awesome. That's an expensive trip, though. I don't know if I can fly your daughter out for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, that awesome. I, but I do have some personal questions I always wanted to ask you. Go for it. Because I was such a, a student of the game, mm -hmm. and, 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 and I never went to college as well, and I don't know what it was with immigrant parents, but for some reason, when they come to this country, the only thing they want their kids to do 
is go to college because in their mind, if you have a degree, you can only be successful. Right. Uh, but they don't understand that there's this thing called an American dream and you're allowed to dream here. And that's right. why I love this country so much because you can dream for stuff like this. Right. You know, where they're from, you go to Korea, 1986, and say you want to be a stand-up comic. No. Not happening. That's not happening. But, right. you know, we, we live in a great, great country where we can do stuff like that. And my, my college was A&E evening at the Improv, man. Ah. It, was, it was on repeat. Uh, you know, and then when Comedy Central came out and they were just doing nothing but stand-up on the road and just playing stand-up clips nonstop, I literally would study comics, man. I would literally just watch and just try and figure out how did they get to that applause within 10 seconds of the first joke? What did he cut out? How did he say this? Like, I would literally not even laugh. I would just study. You were one of them. Like, storytelling was beautiful. And, 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 um, and, and I want to ask you personal questions. Go for it. Because, because there were comics from that era that didn't, that didn't get to, you know, get, take it to the next level. Right. If, if, if that makes sense. This is what I wanted to ask you. Okay, because ask there was what? a lot of comics. There was a lot of comics that I was in love with that I studied, like yourself. Uh, um, I never got to out of all of them. I got to meet. I got to meet you. I got to meet Schimmel. I got to meet Richard Jenny. You know what yeah, I mean? And, yeah. But there was one that I never got to meet, and that was, and I love this guy, and I'm pretty sure you did too. Right, Dennis Wolf. Dennis Wolfberg. Yep, I knew Wolfberg very well. Man. Just, just tell me a little bit about him, just so I can, just know the inside of the guy, because I never, ever, ever got to even shake his hand or at least tell him thank you. What was, what was he like, man? Wolfberg. So I worked, with, I worked with Dennis early in the day. I was, uh, I may have even been an MC first time I worked with him, and then I was a middle act, and I'll never forget. He played tennis. So, wow. uh, you know, and this is back in the comedy condo days. Yeah. So we're comedy condos and he's like, Hey, uh, you play tennis. And I said, yeah, I can hit tennis. You want to play? And he goes, yeah. He, he goes, did you bring a racket? And I said, you know, Dennis, you need to travel with two rackets. <laughs> Why would you bring one racket, yeah. Dennis? Yeah. I go, cause not everybody's going to have what a are, racket. And he goes, yeah. What are you, what are you going to hit off the wall, Dennis? Yeah. And he goes, wow, that's so smart. Let's go right now. So we went out and got my truck and went to Kmart and we bought him uh, another racket. Oh, so that's he would cool. travel around with two rackets, and I'm a big golfer, and uh, so I had golf clubs with no, no tennis racket. So Dennis used to close his show singing American Pie. Did you know that? No. Yes, and no jokes. Just, he would sing it. Wow. Wow. Just beginning and to end. that was his closer. The longest song in America known to man. <laughs> he would close it. He would, <laughs> he would close his set with that. He would close For no it. reason. No he reason. Would just walk, he would just walk into that joke and close, I mean, walk into that song oh, he and would, close his set. He would kill for 45. <laughs> yeah. And then play, and then sing American Pop. You're kidding me, man. No. It was, See, that just made my day. It yeah. was beautiful. But I'll tell you the man. kind of, I'll tell you the kind of guy he was. So, uh, he got married late in life. Yeah. And then he had a kid named Daniel. He had a oh. son. And he used to walk around all day except when he was on stage with a hat that said Daniel's dad. 
<laughs> Man, now I'm falling in love with this dude. Yeah, and he was the greatest, oh. had the big eyes. and Yes. He taught me about timing. Yeah. Because he said, you know, you just did 25 minutes, but you had probably 40 minutes of material, but you're not waiting. Yeah, you're man. just flowing yep. through it. And I go, well, you know, I, I was always told in the middle, you got to go out there and just bust it for 25, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, but you need to prepare to be a headliner. So, and he taught me this. He said, when you headline, you can't hit them hard after they have seen, if the MC's good, they've laughed their butts off for 15. If the middle does his job, he's busted it for 25. And yeah. now you're going to bust him for 45, 50 straight? You can't do that. It's an ebb and flow. You got to hit him, lay back, hit him, lay back, then close. Nice. So he taught me how to close in that way. That's nice. By timing. And, you know, every time, because we worked together a lot back then. That's every, so cool. Every time I'd walk off stage, he'd go, that was better or that was great. That was still too yeah. fast. And then in the condo at night, he'd go, okay, when you got to hear in your act, you got to slow it down because all of these jokes are so strong and you're not giving them their due time. Wow. And so, That's so cool. yeah, he goes, you would have, he goes, you would have gotten, you know, 20 applause breaks if you'd let it happen. Yeah, man. He goes, you know, and so you just let it breathe. Yeah. So he yeah. taught me that early on and uh, yeah, Daniel's dad. He's That's a great so guy. Cool. Greatest guy. That's so cool, man. Yeah. That was that was the one question I always wanted to ask, and I'm glad I got to ask you, man. Yeah. I knew you. I I knew you'd have a story about him. Yeah. That's all those so guys, cool. man. I'm so happy that I got to hear that, and I'm so happy that I got to meet one of my idols, bro. Well, you're you you are legend, man. You really are ahead uh, of your time, trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're not done. You know what I mean? I'm you're hanging still, in there. I'm hanging in there. You're still trailing it, man. You're still you're still trailblazing, man. And I and I, I will be honored if you could just do a couple shows with me. I'll do whatever I, you want, man. And I'm I'm and, so glad you're killing it. No, oh, I'm so you. proud because I'm telling you the the one time we saw each other in person, yeah, and you gave me props right there on the street, uh, and my manager just goes, "Now that is a guy who gets it." Oh man, yeah. I yeah. love you, man. I love really you, do. man. I, I, I'm so happy at everything you're doing. Keep it up. And Thank uh, you. yeah, we'll share a stage anytime. Yes. And I'm so honored that your battery ran out and you went to the, the bathroom to finish the rest of this. I'm box. in the bathroom because that's where I keep my chargers. <laughs> okay. Interesting choice. See my chargers? Mine, are, are. mine are in my oh, office, shit. but I like keeping yeah. them in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh! That, that's my phone charger on top of my computer charger. I love it. And did you notice it, the acoustics got really good? Yeah, the acoustics got really good. <laughs> so Henry. Yes. You're the best to do it, and you're still doing it. God bless you and your family. Can't wait for you to share the stage, and you are bringing your daughter, and we're going to do this together. I love it, It's going to be a dream come true for me. And I cannot wait for this to happen. Let's make it happen. That sounds great. Thanks for having God, me on. God bless you, my guy. I Thank love you, Henry. Peace, y'all. Bye. Have a good one. Love you. Bye, you guys. Mm. Mm.
Don't fake it, just bust a move. This joint is gonna get you in the mood. Stop it, it's A podcast network.